Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you again this week about practical issues related to ministry leadership. From time to time in our denomination, we hear a lament that we need more statesman leaders. I've thought a good bit about this, and I've known a few of them over the years, and I certainly echo that lament. We do need more statesman-type leaders. But the real challenge is, uh, how do you produce those? What do they look like? Or more importantly for most of us, how do we become like them or emulate the kind of leadership that they give us so that we might, a few of us at least, try to grow up into that role? So I want to talk with you today about this subject of statesmanlike leaders, and the reason it's on my heart right now is because we've just recently lost someone that truly fit this description. Uh, Dr. E.W. McCall was the longtime pastor, 37 years, of St. Stephen Missionary Baptist Church in La Puente, California. He grew that church from just a handful of people to a powerhouse, a megachurch with a membership over 5,000. Uh, E.W., while he was serving at that church, uh, church, earned a doctoral degree from then Golden Gate Seminary, of course now Gateway, and so he's been a part of our family in that context for a long time. He also served us as a trustee, and not only served us, but served California Baptist University and some other organizations in that same capacity. Uh, It was in that role of of trustee that I first got to meet uh, E.W., he was on the pastor. Uh, excuse me. He was on the presidential search committee that uh, invited me to be the president here at Gateway. And not only that, he was on a subset of that committee called the Theological uh, Interview Committee, which met which met with me for about four hours one day and walked me through a very thorough, detailed, uh, difficult theological interview. So I met him in that context, and then I got to know him more as I became president, and he served on our board. He ultimately became our board chairman. And it was while he was, uh, when he became our chairman, he was not only the first African-American elected chairman of our board, but as far as we know, he was the first African-American elected chairman of a board in the Southern Baptist Convention. Beyond that, he served in a lot of other leadership capacities and a lot of other roles. But as I said, I really want to focus today on how I saw him in a statesmanlike role as a trustee here at our seminary. He served in that capacity uh, in such a way that I wish I could have him come and lead a perpetual seminar into the future on how to be a trustee because he just really knew how to do it and he knew how to do it really well. But rather than try to tell you more stories about E.W., because I can tell you some really funny ones, things he said, uh, pithy ways he had of putting things into uh, memorable uh, phrases, uh, some funny incidents that I know happened with him, with his family, or even in ministry over the years, Uh, he he was just uh, one of those kind of people that you could just tell stories about all day long. But rather than do that, I've instead... I tried to think through what made him so remarkable and what made him a statesman. And more than that, what can we do uh, as leaders to be more statesman-like? In other words, how can we learn from a man like this and then shape our behavior to, in some sense, approximate who he was and maybe what he accomplished? And so I've done that uh, in 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 a blog that I wrote about EW, and I did it by speaking as memorial service, but I want to see if I can capture some of these same ideas today here on the podcast. So what makes a person a statesman, and how can we become more statesmanlike in our leadership? Well, first, uh, EW was always focused on the seminary's mission. Uh, 
not some side issue clamoring for attention. He understood what the seminary was here to accomplish. And he also understood that there are always people who are trying to get us to divert our attention onto other issues, side issues, if you will, that they think are so vitally important and even in our social media-driven world may seem important in the moment but aren't really the mission that we've been given as a school. And so when he would come to meetings, he never really wanted to get down into the minute details of issues. He wanted to know how do these issues affect the big picture of our mission and how do these um, uh, issues affect what really needs to happen here to advance us to become an even stronger school than we are. And so because of that, I could count on him to always be focused on the mission and not any of these side issues that really clamored for attention. And I'll give you an illustration of this from another trustee who I also f feel feels, uh, fit this same category. Uh, when I first came uh, to the seminary, I asked if I could go to a trustees meeting where trustees were going to be talking to students about the school. This was a listening session type meeting. We had them from time to time. And uh, this uh, trustee led a small group of trustees to sit down with 15 or 20 students and just ask an open-ended question. Uh, tell us about your experience at the seminary and, and uh, what we can do to make it stronger. Well, the students uh, started talking about that. And as you might expect, uh, students who came to the meeting came to complain. And so they griped about this and they griped about that. And I sat there as a new president listening to this and just thinking to myself, we are in serious trouble here. We've got all kinds of problems that aren't being addressed, all kinds of issues that aren't being dealt with. There are all kinds of side issues here that are being presented that, that the seminary is just going to have to deal with and figure out a way to handle. And so this went on for about 45 minutes or so, maybe even an hour. And after the students were dismissed from the meeting, uh, the trustees promised that they would have a discussion and then refer the matters on to me. Well, the students left and the trustees were about ready to start their discussion and the chairman said, well, I thought that was a great meeting. And I thought, was he in the same meeting I was in? He said, yeah, I thought that was a great meeting. He said, uh, here's what we heard. Uh, we've got people that don't return their phone calls and don't answer their emails, and we've got potholes that aren't being filled rapidly enough on campus and some broken showers that didn't get maintenance out there as soon as they thought they should be. And um, we've got some people who wish that we had faster Internet speeds and he just listed a lot of different things that we'd heard in the meeting. And I sat there thinking, yes, I heard all those same things. And then he ended by saying this, but you know, not one student complained about the doctrine that's being taught. Not one student complained about the quality of the academic program that they're experiencing. Not one student complained about the fact that their education wasn't going to equip them to do ministry in the 21st century. He said, we don't have any problems here. We've just got a lot of little issues that somebody will take care of along the way. And I sat there thinking that is a brilliant trustee and a statesmanlike leader because he understands that while these other issues do need some attention to be given them, they don't rise to the level of diverting the board of trustees off holding the administration accountable for the mission of the seminary. E.W. McCall was like that as well. I could always count on him in a meeting to say, that's an important issue, and I'm sure it needs to be dealt with. Let the president handle that one, or send that over to staff, or let's let that go to a committee. He always wanted us to come back to the question is, but what about our mission? What about our mission of shaping leaders, delivering theological education, uh, 
producing minister, people who can do ministry in the 21st century. Are we getting that done? And if we are, let's talk about how to do that more effectively. Statesmen keep focused on the mission, not the side issues. Second, statesmen like leaders are always focused on the big picture and the long-term time horizon. They're not so much worried about what's going to happen tomorrow as they're worried about what's going to happen in five to ten years. And they're asking the question always, what can we do now that we can leverage for long-term impact in the future? At EW's memorial service, his son actually spoke about this. He got up and said, one of the things that my father taught me was the importance of delayed gratification. He said, my father... Uh, taught me that if you'll spend a few days or a few months or in some cases a few years investing, working, structuring, that in the long run you're going to see a wave of return come back that will overwhelm you. And his son talked about how uh, his dad had done this with their family finances, being super frugal in the early years, but in the latter years being able to be so much more generous because of the management of the early years. And he talked about it in their church context. He said... In the early years, our father, our pastor, invested just countless hours in building a Sunday school organization that could take care of large numbers of people and be infinitely expandable. And in the beginning, when the church was small, people thought, why are we spending this much time building this kind of organizational strength when we're such a small church? But then as the church grew and that organization could expand almost infinitely, the church grew to thousands of people. In fact, it was said at the service that in the 1990s that St. Stephen had the largest Sunday school among African-American churches in the Southern Baptist Convention in the nation. And Fred Luter, a past president of the Southern Baptist Convention, sent a video thanking Dr. McCall for teaching his church how to do Sunday school in the late 1980s, early 1990s. And he said, it's been on that uh, structure, that backbone that we've built such a great church here in Louisiana. So uh, statesmen-like leaders focus on the long-term time horizon. They're not always asking, what are we going to do about this weekend? They're asking, what are we going to do this week that will make a difference three years, five years, ten years from now? Always thinking about where they were going and where the organization was going and where the church was going and how to lead in such a way that you get there uh, eventually. This idea of delayed gratification and building long-term organizational strength is sometimes lost on modern, uh, on contemporary leaders today. Uh, they're more worried about what's going to happen this week, and they're worried about a quick fix, and they're worried about getting something done that will attract some people now. But statesmen-like leaders recognize that they're going to build something that lasts. They're going to have to have some delayed gratification, some long-term investment. They're going to have to put energy into things that will be part of building a foundation that will pay off in the long run as the results are received. Here's another quality. EW was not afraid to spend money on leaders or initiatives that were clearly tied to future success. Now, he was also a frugal man. Uh, he did not like spending money on things that he didn't think had anything to do with accomplishing the mission. But if it really was germane to the mission, whether it was a person or a program, he said, let's step up and let's make it happen. Uh, nowhere was this seen more clearly than in his advocacy for, being, for paying the presidents and for paying pastors and for paying top leaders in organizations the resources they needed uh, to, 
to meet their personal needs and to uh, have no distractions in devoting their lives to the leadership of their organizations or their churches. I remember on a number of occasions, E.W. and I talked about this, and he said, Jeff, you never go wrong by investing big money in capable leaders. He said, find the very best people possible and pay whatever you have to to get those people to lead out in such a way that it's going to make a long-term difference. He said, it'll cost you in the short run, but it will pay off so much in the long run. He also was the first person who taught me about the importance of investing in sharpening the leaders you have rather than paying to replace them. He said, it's always better, he told me once, it's always better to spend money uh, improving the pastor you have than trying to get another pastor or improving the staff you have rather than trying to get another staff. He said, as long as people are growing and developing and expanding, keep pouring resources into them because it all, it, it's, never money ba- it's never money misspent when you're able to put money into leaders or initiatives that are tied to your mission. He was also not afraid to veto frivolous spending, though. It was interesting to me at his memorial service, some of the funny stories that were told were about E.W. trying to save a nickel here or a nickel there uh, just so he would have more money to invest in the larger mission and directly in things that he thought would advance the mission. So statesmen like leaders, they're focused on the mission, uh, they're focused on the long-term horizon, and they're not afraid to spend money on leaders or initiatives that are clearly tied to future success. A fourth thing about statesmen-like leaders is they are relentlessly optimistic. E.W. McCall was relentlessly optimistic. He never talked with me, but that he didn't ask, where's the seminary? How's the seminary? Where's the seminary going? How do you see it developing over the next few years? What are you doing to take us into the future God has for us? He was always challenging me about the future because he was relentlessly optimistic about the future. And I always found that to be an interesting perspective because of all he had lived through as an African-American leader in our country and in our convention. Uh, E.W. McCall lived through uh, growing up in the Deep South. He lived through the civil rights movement of the 60s and early 1970s. He lived through the growing pains of Southern Baptist African-American leaders trying to find a seat at the leadership table in the Southern Baptist Convention. He lived through some very trying times. Personally, growing up in the Deep South uh, as an emerging leader in our nation through the Civil Rights Movement and then in our denomination uh, as a pioneer a Southern Baptist African-American leader taking new leadership roles and being elected to the leadership positions in our denomination. When I think about all he lived through and all the negative that he had to experience and all the difficulty that he encountered, all the prejudice he had to overcome, when I think about all that he lived through and the fact that he was relentlessly optimistic about our seminary, about our denomination, about the future of his church and the future work of Southern Baptists around the world, uh, it's humbling, quite frankly. I'm embarrassed at how little it takes to discourage me. I get so frustrated, so disgusted, so tired of dealing with the negativity that I have to deal with, and yet I realize that it's just a small amount compared to what a great man like this dealt with in his lifetime. I think about another person in our denomination. I'll, I'll just name one other statesman-like leader in this podcast, but that's been a fellow named Jimmy Draper who's meant so much to so many of us over the years. Uh, Jimmy's now in his 80s. And I would still describe him as relentlessly optimistic. Uh, I was with him recently, and he was talking about the future. 
and how good God is and how good things are going to be when we get things worked out in the present challenges we're facing and how the new generation of leadership is going to take us to new heights. And as I listened to him, uh, I was reminded again that statesmen-like leaders are not whiners. They're not negative people. They're not always pointing out what's wrong with everything. They are sober-minded men and women who look hard at real problems and are willing to face up to them, but they are relentlessly optimistic. They believe our best days are ahead of us. They believe the next generation of leaders is going to do more than the last generation. Uh, they believe that God has uh, a plan that will take us to uh, our welfare, not for calamity to borrow from the prophet. They have this sense that that somehow, some way, something good is going to happen if we just stay focused and stay, stay positive and keep moving forward together. They believe that, the, that God's best is yet to come and that we've not yet experienced God's best. I have to be honest with you. There was a time when this was easier for me to say than it is today. You know, one of the challenges of leading for a long time is you just have more negative experiences. That's just an inevitable part of life. You're, you're just going to have things happen that, that are more discouraging and more difficult. And, and, in, and in the case of uh, my situation, as I've gotten more leadership responsibility, that simply means I've gotten uh, the responsibility of having to deal with some more difficult and really some uglier uh, negative situations. And it can take the life out of you. Uh, whether it's a, a, a negative person complaining in your church, or whether it's a negative employee at your school, or whether it's a negative a voice in, in our denomination through a blog or through a newsletter or, or through uh, uh, you know, personal contact, through email or phone calls, all this stuff can just wear you down. But statesmen-like leaders have this capacity that, that they rise above all of that, that somehow they don't lose sight of the fact that God is good, He has a plan for His people, uh, he wants to work through us, and that he's going to accomplish his purposes. I, I want to be more like that, and I want to keep battling the temptation uh, to be negative uh, in the context of leadership. And then finally, another aspect of E.W. McCall and another aspect of statesmen-like leaders, they are calm in the storm. Their faith is real. They demonstrate capacity to believe in God and have faith in God in very practical ways when, when things are difficult. E.W. McCall was chairman of our board during the economic downturn in 2008 and 9. Those were some challenging days for us. He was also chairman of our board when we were at the very front end of moving into the seminary redevelopment problems that we had in Mill Valley, California, and then the ultimate relocation of the seminary some years later. He was chairman when that whole process started. I would describe him with this word. He was unflappable. Uh, he, he was not easily flustered. He did not get anxious or upset or agitated. He had a calm about him, and he projected that calm uh, in every kind of leadership situation. And it wasn't just a, an emotional gimmick that he had or some kind of a, um, uh, of a discipline that he had learned to try to project something physically. It came from deeper than that. It was a spiritually motivated sense of calm that came out of the sense that God is at work, God is working in the moment, I can have faith in God, and I can express that in very practical ways by having a lack of anxiety, a lack of agitation, and a sense of calm in the situation. Well, that was demonstrated to me on a number of occasions, but uh, one particular one 
we had a number of years ago a, a, an incident here at the seminary. I, I don't want to go into any detail because I don't want to expose any confidences. But we had we had an incident. It was a it was an ugly incident where a person said some things that uh, in a public forum that that were cutting and hurtful and uh, really really did damage to our, both our morale and our mission. It was Wiley W was a trustee and he heard about it. He called me and he said. Uh, Dr. Orge, I, I heard this incident happen. And I said, yes, it did. And he said, uh, let me see if I understand what took place. And he recounted it for me, and he had the facts exactly straight. He said, uh, Dr. Orge, I need you to understand something. That will never happen again. And I said, well, now, brother, it, it's all right. We, he said, he cut me off. He said, no, listen now. That will never happen again. And you don't need to think about it any, any longer. He wasn't yelling. He wasn't agitated. But there was a calm about him that was reflected in a quiet resolve to address a problem. And I honestly don't know still today exactly what happened. I know that E.W. approached uh, the person involved, and I know there was a conversation or something like that. And I know that the problem never raised itself, itself again. Because in the midst of a real storm, a calm man who had profound faith in God, but who was willing to do what had to be done, stepped forward. A statesman did what he could do to deal with a difficult situation in the organization, our school, that he loved. Well... My friend E.W. McCall was a true Christian statesman. He was a leader among us. He was a person that a lot of us looked to, a lot of us looked up to. I will never come to a place where I'm that kind of leader. I know that. I'm not a statesman. I don't pretend to be. But what I am trying to do is be more statesmanlike. And I hope you'll do the same thing. You may say, Listen, I pastor a church, or I lead a ministry, or I'm a youth director, or I'm a children's minister. Uh, you may say, I I'm never going to be a, a statesman. No one's ever going to look to me like that. Well, frankly, you're probably right. M most of us are never going to get to that kind of role where people look at us in that way. But that doesn't mean that we can't learn from statesman leaders and be more statesman-like in our leadership. So how can you be more statesman-like? Well, do these things first. Keep your focus on your mission. Don't get sidetracked sidetracked by side issues that are clamoring for your attention. Second, focus on the big picture and the long-term time horizon. Don't just worry about what you can do to get through today. Think about what can I do today that will make a difference in three months, in three years, in five years, in ten years. What can I do that makes a long-term difference in my organization? Third, don't be afraid to spend money on leaders or initiatives that really make a difference. There's a time for frugality. No question about that. We need to watch every nickel and be sure we don't waste money. But when it comes to something that really will advance the mission, whether it's a leader or an initiative, if it really will make a difference, be bold and be willing to re spend God's resources on those things. And then fourth, develop, develop the discipline of being relentlessly optimistic. There's so much negativity around us as leaders. It takes a spiritual choice to say every day, I will see the positive. I believe God is at work, 
I believe God will be at work, and I believe the best is yet to come. To believe that and to live in an optimistic way is statesmanlike. And then finally, develop a sense of calm. Not an emotional trick or some kind of physical thing that you do to just calm yourself down, but really a sense of calm that comes out of a deep faith in God and a deep devotional life that grounds you as a leader in your relationship with God. And out of that deep faith and devotional life, out of that, have a calmness in the midst of storm. And even when you have to step forward in a storm and take care of something that's really difficult, you'll find yourself doing that in a calm way with a resolve, not with anger, not with anxiety, but with determination. That's what it means to be statesmanlike. My friend E.W. McCall impacted my life. He profoundly shaped me as a man and as a leader. He had a long-term impact on our school because of the leadership he provided as a trustee and as a chairman of our board. He has made a profound impact in Southern Baptist life through the African American Fellowship of the Southern Baptist Convention and by serving as an officer of our convention. He was in every way a statesman. I want to be like him and I want to put into practice what I've described to you in this podcast so that I might be a more statesman-like leader. I hope you'll join me and do the same thing as we lead on.